Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Jonathan Warner, and today we have on a special guest. One of the best guests, if not the best guest you could get when it comes to an interview for college basketball is Jeff Goodman. Uh, He is arguably the GOAT when it comes to college basketball coverage, Uh, works for Stadium, Uh, does great work over there covering the sport. Went to Boston College Duke last night, so you can read his art work over there. Uh, just an honor to have Jeff Goodman on the podcast. Uh, without for much further introduction, let's get into that podcast. Welcome back to the Making the Madness podcast. I have on the line Jeff Goodman. Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Can't be much better than I am. I'm, I'm headed to pick up my daughter and head to the, uh, the Creighton Providence game. So uh, she, she's all into basketball now, as you know, and uh, I'm all into taking her to as many games as I can because, frankly, she was not a basketball fan until this year, and I don't know how much it'll uh, last, so I'm going to take advantage. Yeah, always fun when you can uh, watch basketball. Uh, so going to start out with uh, Baylor. They have been phenomenal this year. They've won at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, just an incredible year for the Bears. Do you think this is the year Scott Drew finally gets over the hump, gets to the Final Four, and maybe wins the national cha- championship? Boy, I, I mean, here, here's the thing you worry about with Baylor. They haven't gone through any adversity yet, and they're going to go through it. And do they go through it at the wrong time? Do they peak at the wrong time? I, I think he's done an amazing job. They're not overly deep. They've got really good guards, but... You know, Jared Butler's a really good player, but, you know, I'm not sure if they have, you know, one of the elite players in college basketball. He's pretty darn close. Um, I don't know. I, again, I think they're good, but they can't withstand another injury. That's for, that's for darn sure. So, you know, I don't know how much confidence I have in anybody. If you say, are they going to get to the Final Four? Are they going to win the national title? I think no matter what team you say that about right now, you're going to have some questions and concerns because nobody's nobody's that powerful. Nobody's that. Even though Baylor's been number one for a few weeks right now, you don't look at them and say, "Oh my God, like we can't beat them." If you're any team, yeah, no real dominant team in the sport. I think there's a lot of really good ones. I would throw Baylor in that you know list. Gonzaga, uh, Kansas, maybe throw Dayton, San Diego State, or Duke yeah. in that list. Like that. There's a clear, I think, you know, kind of teams that would be considered favorites to win the national championship, but it's not like, you know, the 15th best team, let's say Villanova, couldn't go out and win it this year. It's just kind of... It's, Listen, Villanova, I saw Villanova play, play Baylor that was late, December, late November in Myrtle Beach, and it was a great game, and it was back and forth, and in fact... You thought Villanova had it, and Baylor, Jared Butler made some huge plays at the end of the game to win it, but they were pretty evenly matched. And, and that's all I'm saying is that if Baylor played Villanova ten times, they might split. And, and Villanova, like you're saying, is maybe they're the tenth best team, they're the twelfth, fifteenth, whatever you want to call them. The disparity from one to twenty-five right now is BYU. The disparity between one at Baylor, twenty-five at BYU is by far the smallest I've ever seen. Yeah, just, I think there's good teams, but the, 
you know, kind of, kind of average tier can beat the really, you know, top-end teams on any night. I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago Baylor almost lost to Oklahoma. That usually does not happen in most years. Exactly, exactly. No, this is a different year, but, but again, this could be the case next year too. Like, we may not, we may not be looking at much of a difference next year. The freshman class a little bit better, but a lot of these guys – Think about it. The top players are Kate Cunningham. He's going to Oklahoma State, which which is just going to be okay next year. And USC Evan Mobley is is probably uh, Evan Mobley's number two player or one, however you want to cut it. He's going to USC. So when the top players don't go to Kentucky or Duke or some of those the the, the blue bloods that have been really really good, uh, like was the case this year, right? James Wiseman, Memphis. He didn't play much. Anthony Edwards, Georgia. They're horrible class isn't overpowering which it isn't next year you're gonna have probably a lot of the same yeah and i do think next year we might not have that same problem because i do think there's slated to be a few more you know returners than i think there were this year i think you had like a you know a larger number than most years of people just you know going taking two ways i don't know if that that could happen again john Hey, that could easily happen again. You, we don't know if that's going to be more of the norm coming up. And guys just say, you know what? I'm done. You know, look at uh, uh, Jared Harper at Auburn, right? There's a great one. Like, there's no way five years ago Jared Harper would have left Auburn early. But he said, listen, I went to the Final Four. My stock's probably as high as it's going to be. Uh, I'm out, and I'll, I'll worry about my degree later, and I'll get it with online classes, or I'll come back in the summer, whatever the case. Uh, and, and you can't blame some of those kids. Even if Jared Harper comes back, yes, Auburn, we're looking at it from a college basketball perspective, right? We want we want to see him. Auburn would be really, really good instead of, like, top 20-ish. But for Jared Harper, he's saying to himself, like, I'm going to hit it while I can. Yeah. We'll, we'll see as – you know, if the trend continues this year or yeah. if it, you know, I think it probably, you know, breaks a little bit. We'll see maybe a few more returners, but it could be, you know, a sign that talent is down across college basketball. Moving yeah, on. No doubt. Moving no on. Doubt. Will Wade has the uh, LSU Tigers in position to win the SEC. Uh, once again, they're undefeated in league play. He has done, you know, really underrated job at LSU. Uh, you know, the stuff with the uh, scandal, you know, strong offer, you know, made to Javante Smart has been, you know, a theme. But, you know, on the court, this LSU team is doing really well. Uh, what do you make of, you know, Will Wade and the Tigers? I mean, it's shocking if you had told anybody last year during the SEC tournament, um, that Will Wade would be not only doing this and, and would be you know seventeen and four and eight and zero in, in the SEC, but just be coaching. At that point, we thought there was no way he would coach another game again. And uh, and LSU reinstates him, and he's rolling now. I mean, he's rolling. And I, I think the most impressive thing is he's doing it without Tremont Waters, without a really a true point guard. I thought that would be their major hole is that they'd have a lot of trouble because they don't have a true point. Javante Smart's done a pretty good job at the point. But he's got good players around him, right? Skylar Mays is just a high-character veteran who knows how to play, makes big plays, big shots. Emmett Williams is a freak athlete. Trenton Watford 
is a really skilled forward. So their team like fits together. I just didn't know if they'd have a point. So, um, you know, I, I still don't think they played the toughest level competition yet in terms of beating. I mean, what's their best win? Their best win is maybe, I don't know. I mean, who, who is it? Florida? Uh, no, they haven't they really beaten anything big yet. That's my one issue with them. They've beaten a lot of mediocre teams that are on the fringe of being NCAA tournament teams, whether it's Florida, uh, whether it's Arkansas, whether it's you know an Alabama, a Mississippi State. They're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah, I do give them credit, though, because like we saw Auburn lose to both Florida and Alabama. Uh, Kentucky's yep, lost totally. a couple questionable games. I think right. you know just taking care of business is you know kind of underrated this year. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. This year more than ever because we're seeing, again, Duke lose to Stephen F. Austin, Kentucky lose to Evansville at home, Utah uh, and Vegas. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of these top teams have lost games. Michigan State, Virginia Tech, they lose to on a neutral court. So uh, I agree with you. Maybe that we're not putting as much into that of just beating the teams you're supposed to be. Yeah. Moving on here, San Diego State is – you know, pretty heavily favored to win every game left on the schedule. Uh, and, you know, if they would do so and, you know, win the Mountain West, they're probably, you know, going to get the one seed out West. Uh, do you think the Aztecs have a, you know, good chance to, you know, end the season undefeated and into the NCAA tournament? Oh, I hope so. Because if they do, I get to go to Vegas. I think it have covered that much tournament. So selfishly, I, I, I hope so. And I went to San Diego. Uh, we were there with my family for New Year's, uh, and, and I covered the game. Did the game at, on January first. They're really good. I mean, they, here's what they are. They've got a really high level point guard in Malachi Flynn, who takes care of the basketball. Their whole team takes care of the basketball. They defend well together. They don't have one guy who's like collide defensively, but they've got a bunch of guys um, that all buy into it. And and I think they understand. They have three players that all came over from transferring last year. And it's Malachi Flynn sat out last year, but transferred from Washington State where he lost a ton of games. Yanni Wetzel came over from Bandy where he didn't win an SEC game all last year. And K.J. Fagan came over from Santa Clara, where he lost a lot of games two years ago. So I think they've all kind of bought into this, like, all right, the numbers, they're empty. So let, let me get wins. And, and now they're getting wins, and they saw it early. People start paying attention, and they kind of like this because all three of those guys played in anonymity in, in the previous stop. So I, I like this San Diego State team. Again, not overpowering, but their chemistry is good. They play well together, and they got a high, high-level point guard in Malachi Flint. Yeah, Malachi Flynn has been you know really good this year running the points. Uh, you mentioned Fagan, uh, Yanni Wetzel. You know Wetzel's been really good inside. Matt Mitchell's taking a step forward. This is just a really good basketball team. And as you mentioned, they don't wow you you know with the numbers, but they go out, they win every single night, which is what you want to do. Uh, Moving on here, you know, my next question, you know, staying with San Diego State, who do you think goes further, Dayton or San Diego State? Uh, I don't know. It depends on matchups. It's so hard to say yet. Who do I like more? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Honestly, I, I think I like San Diego State more. 
I think I do. I just think I like how they're put together. Not that I don't like Dayton. I think Obi Toppin's a stud. And the cards are really good, too. Jalen Crutcher. Uh, but I just I saw San Diego State. I'm going to see Dayton hopefully next week uh, when they play at home against URI. That'll be a good game. Um, but I think it's going to depend on matchups. So it's hard to say without seeing who the matchups are uh, to say who's going to go further. Yeah, that matchups are certainly a big part of uh, the sport. You know, we've seen with Dayton, you know, when they played Kansas, they played, played Colorado. They kind of got a little bit beat up inside in both those games. Uh, but if they, you know, face a bunch of undersized teams, they could, you know, potentially yeah. roll off, you know, five, six straight wins, even win the national title. That's uh, right. Same with San Diego State. I think Dayton, you know, personally, I think Dayton has a little more upside as a, you know, offensive unit. They've got Crutcher. They've got Toppin. You know, that's a, you know, one-two duo that I really like. Uh, they've got a little bit more shooting. San Diego State, though, is an elite defensive team, which you know I think gives them some optimism. I think Dayton has maybe a higher ceiling, but could see it going either way there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with that. I agree. I mean, it, it's a tough one again because all these teams, it's going to depend on matchups and health, and, and you know those are the things that matter most come March. Yeah. Moving on here, uh, going to get into the panic meter. Uh, we're going to start out with Kentucky. Uh, they did beat Mississippi State, lost to Auburn, you know, last Saturday. I think you know the panic meter for Kentucky. I think is at a five for me at this point in time. Uh, where would it be for you? You know, some days I love them. I'm sure like you, right? Some days you see them and you're like, whoa. You know what? He's going. Hagan's just take care of the ball. Nick Richards is dominating down low. You're like, wow, you know what? I could see this team going to a Final Four or maybe even winning it if they got lucky. Then other games you see him and Maxie's non-existent. Hagan's just throwing the ball all over the gym. Richards has been pretty consistent over the last two months or a month and a half. So you can't really fault him. But like EJ Montgomery's underwhelming most nights. And their wings aren't big-time scoring wings other than Maxie. So, you know, Manuel Quickly has actually been good. He's been good, to be honest, offensively. So, I don't know. They're like the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team, aren't they, in college basketball this year? And it makes sense looking at what they've done, right? I mean, three three or four losses that you scratch your heads and then three or four wins that you're like, whoa. Yeah, this Kentucky team, you really, you know, just depends on the night if, you know, different players want to show up. You know, beating Michigan State, beating Louisville, uh, wing at Texas Tech, you know, that is, you know, it's hard to find a team with three better wins on the season than that. But, right, you know, right. you also lose to Evansville, you know. Yep. You've got Ashton Higgins, as you said, has been inconsistent. Tyrese Maxey is, you know, really inconsistent. So it's just hard to know which team will show up, you know, on a nightly basis. Yep. Moving on, North Carolina. I'm going to set my panic meter at a 9. I won't go quite to a 10. You know, Cole Anthony coming back is, you know, I want to wait a little bit and see, you know, what he does, you know, as he starts getting healthy. But the panic, it should definitely be there for North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's as close to a 10 as it can get, right? I mean, let's face it. They've dug themselves... And it's such a hole that the only way they're going to go to the NCAA tournament is by winning the ACC tournament, which isn't completely ridiculous because 
the ACC has got three um, three really good teams. You know, Duke, Florida State, and Louisville. I saw one of them last night, Duke, at Boston College, and they almost lost. Uh, so it's not like any of those three are overwhelmingly good. Uh, but again, you look at Carolina and you're like, even with Cole Anthony, they just don't have any wings that can shoot it. Uh, they got, you know, really Garrison Brooks and Cole, and Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony hasn't shown any ability really to make people better. I mean, he is a just a scorer, and he's been an inefficient scorer at that. I know he's been hurt, but even when he was healthy, uh, I believe he's only had one game where he shot over five, 50% this whole season. Yeah, I think another thing alongside, you know, the Cole Anthony situation is they really don't have a you know, outside shooter. I mean, it's either Garrison Brooks, you know, from 15 feet, uh, in which case you still have Armando Baycott clogging up the paint. You've got, you know, Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce, those guys were expected to, you know, contribute right away. Neither really have, you know, just a lot of players that have been kind of disappointing this year that were expected to play, you know, somewhat big roles for this Tar Heels team. Okay, I'm going to do Duke. Uh, they come off a tight win against Boston College. You watched that game last night. What's your panic meter for the Blue Devils? I'd probably set it at a three. Yeah, it's low. It's low. Let's face it. They've got uh, one of the best point guards in America in, in Trey Jones. You can say what you want about his perimeter shooting, but he's a great defender. He, he knows how to run a team. Uh, he's got all the intangibles. He's got all the leadership qualities. They've got a great big guy in Vernon Carey, and they've got Coach K coaching them. So I might even go lower than a three. Uh, to be honest, I, I think they're one of the uh, handful of teams that's going to be among the favorites to cut down the nets. They're not as talented as they've been in the past. But again, the landscape is different this year. So they don't have to be as talented as they were in the past. They've got to have better chemistry. And uh, Coach K is still trying to figure out the rotations, You know whether it goes with Joey Baker or Matthew Hurt. It's kind of a you know tough deal right now to try to figure it out for him and Wendell Moore coming back. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the panic meter is zero. Like, honestly, it's zero for me just because they got Trey Jones, they got Vernon Carey, they got Coach K. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of panic just with the, you know, two through four positions. You don't really know what you're going to get every night if, let's say, Vernon Carey gets in foul trouble. That could be a reason why they lose a game in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I do think it's relatively low, and this is a Duke team that can win the national championship. Yep, agreed. Okay, is the Big Ten the deepest league since conference realignment this year's edition of the Big Ten, just with 12 teams reasonably having shot, a shot to make the NCAA tournament? Would you say that yeah, is I mean, the it's, case? It's, it's hard to argue with that, right? I mean, 12 of 14 teams, the only two that – you knock out of the mix of Northwestern and Nebraska. Everybody else is in the equation right now. You know, yes, deepest, yes. The what the, the thing they're missing is somebody at the top, right? And and that's you know every league this year, every league. I mean, there's nobody at the top other than what I mean. Mountain West with San Diego State is clearly clearly at the top, but other other than that, there's nobody in any league. Gonzaga, I guess. Can maybe so, go yeah, Big Twelve yeah. with. Baylor and Kansas, but yeah, but like I said, one at the. I'm saying, is there one at the top? Uh, Baylor and Kansas are close. Is there any other other than San Diego State and Mountain West and WCC with Gonzaga? 
and maybe you'd say date. Right? Yeah. But every other league, ACC, throw those three teams in a hat. Uh, Big 12, like you said, Kansas and Baylor. Big 10, you can throw a few in a hat. Pac-12, I guess it's Oregon, but they're not head and shoulders above uh, Arizona or maybe even Colorado. You could throw those three in a hat. And SEC, I don't know. I mean, who is it? We don't know. Maybe Kentucky or LSU or, or Auburn. Auburn. Or Auburn. They just beat Kentucky. Yeah. What, one of those three th- teams, yeah. I think, but neither has really separated themselves other than LSU in the league race. That's right. Yeah, just not a lot of leagues that have that top-end team. Uh, there's you know many leagues with you know a pretty clear, like, these are the best teams in the league. You know, I think Big 12, ACC, uh, kind of have le- leagues where you're like, okay, these two or three teams are, you know, the favorites to win the national or win the league title, but they're not yep. overwhelming favorites. That's right. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, moving on, getting into the national player of the year discussion. Uh, there's really a lot of candidates for the award. I personally, you know, think it's Miles Powell that would be my pick at the moment, uh, just with. Seton Hall being, you know, a top 10, 15 level team, and he's uh, just a really good overall player, great shooter. I think it's Miles Powell's award, but, you know, Obi Toppin, Luca Garza, uh, even Marcus Howard, there's a lot of guys that have a good, you know, chance to win the award. Who do you think it, you know, would be right now, and who do you think ultimately ends up winning the award? I think right now it's it's Garza and Toppin. You know, I pulled about uh, eleven uh, college people cover college basketball and, and threw in my own vote for for good measure. Uh, and and Toppin and Garza were like one A and one B, and then it was a drop off to to Miles Powell at the number three spot. There's still a lot of basketball left, but I, I actually think Miles Powell and Marcus Howard have been hurt by the fact that they're not on ESPN. I really do. I, I think you, you have um, a whole lot more. Uh, you just get a whole lot more publicity and exposure when you're on ESPN. I've been, I've been at ESPN. I've been at Fox. I've been at CBS. So I'm not. I don't have a dog in the fight anymore. Uh, but but you know I, I do think that hurts those guys in terms of uh, not getting as much exposure as they would have. Or, you know, and, and Obi Toppin doesn't either. I think Luke Garza gets the most. Why? Because he's on ESPN all the time. Yeah, he's also on Fox a lot as well, like yep. Big Ten broadcast. But that's true. You've got point. both, you know, being yep. on both ESPN, you know, Fox, even CBS, I think have done a couple Iowa games. Yep. So you've got yep. all the networks covering him as opposed to, you know, with Marcus Howard and Miles Pell just essentially being on Fox. Uh, Okay, this is a fun question I have. You get to pick four teams to win it all. Uh, Any four, doesn't matter, you know, any team. What teams are you picking? Uh, I'll go teams with, with, again, point guard, big man, coach. So I'll take Duke. I'll take Kansas. I'll take Oregon. Those are three. Uh, you know, who's my fourth? Fourth is almost like to be determined at this point. Maybe I go Villanova. 
kind of like Villanova. I think they've got everything as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with Baylor just because they've been you know so good defensively this year. Yeah. You know the on-ball defense, uh, but of course that could easily change here any week if they go on like a losing streak. I think Kansas uh, and Duke are probably two teams I would choose to win it all as well. Uh, and then I'd throw Gonzaga in, or I'd throw Duke. I'll throw Duke into that mix. Uh, yeah. Wait, I think I said Duke. So <laughs> Baylor, Kansas, Duke, Gonzaga. Those are my four right now. Hard, hard to argue. Yeah. But there, there's a certainly a good amount of choices that you can have on there. Moving on, going to get into a uh, fun segment, rapid fire questions. All right, uh, let's start it off. Best coach to interview. Oh, boy, it might be the guy that I'm going uh, to see tonight. It might be Ed Cooley. I mean, he, he's elite level to interview, elite level. Uh, in fact, if they win tonight, I'm going to try to have my daughter interview him potentially after the game. Uh, so he, Ed Cooley is one of the easiest, one of the best. He's got so much energy, no BS with him. So I'll go with Eddie. Okay, next one, best venue that you have been to? Kansas, Allen Fieldhouse. I'll give it the slight edge over Cameron and Duke, but they're they're like 1A and 1B. Okay, many consider you the GOAT of college basketball coverage. Uh, I certainly do. Who is the main challenger to your GOAT status? Um, I'm, there's no way I'm the GOAT, trust me. There are a lot of people who have, who have come before me, that um, the Andy Catches of the world, the Mike DeCourcy's, who have done it longer than I have. Um, so many good people. Honestly, I, I can't I can't cut it down to one. I've worked with Gary Paris, Jeff Borzello, Matt Norlander. They're all uh, absolutely terrific. So uh, I can't say one, but I, I will say that, um, you know, somebody like Andy Katz, when I was kind of breaking in, was somebody that I looked to because he was breaking all the news at that point. Okay, next one. Favorite AAU event to attend every year? Oh, that's an easy, easy one. That's a Peach Jam in, uh, in Augusta. Um, four courts, and every every coach in America and all the top players. Everybody's been there. Least favorite, uh, you know, person or player that you've had to basically cover? Uh, Lamar Ball now. Can I say that? Probably the ball. You know, Lamar in the in in the middle. Probably the, the two kids were tough to cover in Lithuania. They were tough, but I don't blame them. I blame Lavar. Okay, last one. Uh, will your daughter in 10 years eclipse you in combined Instagram and Twitter followers? Well, I got her in Twitter followers pretty good right now. If you said Instagram, she's going to get me soon, trust me. She knows how to do it. I, I still don't. I don't get the whole Instagram part of it and how it translates. I, I, I haven't done a whole lot of it either, but She'll get me an Instagram. I, I still think in 10 years, if Twitter's still around, I got enough of a head start, I'll, I'll, I'll get her. Okay, thank you for coming on, Jeff. It was a fun episode, a lot of fun you know, discussion. Uh, so thanks again for coming on. No, I appreciate it, Jonathan. Really appreciate it, and keep up, uh, keep up the good work, all right? Thank you.